0: All right, folks, it's another week, another episode, Awaken Indie podcast. This is Aaron McNicholas. Thanks for tuning in and listening this weekend. It's Turkey Week. We got two days until it's the big day, and I hope everyone's going to have a great time spending time with family and community. And here at Awaken Indie and at Georgetown Market, we just want to say, you know, thanks so much for being our own family, our own community, and supporting the store, the podcast. Um, All the wonderful staff that we have at the store um, and choosing to, yeah, be part, be present. And so if you guys came out the other day to the anniversary event at Georgetown, we want to say thanks for showing up, supporting the store. Um, We're going to be looking for events here in the future with classes that are free to the public and um, just more ways to help support the community. So stay tuned for that. Um, But today's episode we have Jason Hanolt on the show. And I met Jason quite a few months ago. He came into the store um, to kind of share just more information about the company he works for called True Grace. And he'll be giving more of a backstory behind that company and why he chose to work for them. Um, but he came into the store and we started talking. And I was like, man, <laughs> this guy is cool. And I felt like we could go down a lot of different rabbit holes. And in this episode, we. Kind of do. Um, but Jason has had so much background and experience in the health industry working for lots of different companies that I think he can recognize quality when he sees it. And he definitely lives that life. You know, he's growing off his own land, he uses herbs, he was a practitioner for a long time. So I'm excited to share his knowledge today on the show. But before we jump in, I just want to remind everyone please subscribe, like, and share the podcast, the episodes, so that we can keep the show's message going. And we want to support you guys. So if you have questions, comments, concerns, we'd love to hear from you. Remember, Dr. Lauren and I are going to be answering questions on one of the episodes. It's anonymous. So feel free to email us questions at podcast at georgetownmarket.com. Once we get enough replies, we'll do an episode together and answer those live here on one of the episodes and hopefully help some people. Other things, um, we'd love to see you stop in to Georgetown Market. The store is on the west side of town. They've been serving the community here for oh a long time now, since the 70s, and if you listen to the episode with Rick, you got the full backstory of the store, and I love that episode because... I think there's a lot of confusion about the origins (laughs) the origin story um, behind the store and he goes into that Um, and we're gonna be happy to have Rick on a couple more episodes here soon kind of sharing some of the different things that he's learning and myself as well so stay tuned for those but let's jump in today I can't wait for you guys to hear about Jason um, and his background with true grace so without further ado Jason Hennel everyone Jason, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah.
0: I was looking forward to this for a while because I feel like the first time I met you, there were so many different rabbit holes that we could go down, <laughs> and that's kind of probably going to be this conversation is a large, <laughs> varying group of rabbit holes. Sure. Um, so we'll try to kind of, I guess, be like very specific about where we go as we go through this conversation, and I'll try to rear it in. But um, yeah, how about we just even start with maybe your background, um you've had extensive training in a lot of different areas and worked with a lot of different companies. So maybe provide that to the listeners.
1: Sure, sure. Um, gosh, I mean, there's an origin story. I mean, kind of like Batman. I mean, <laughs> I, I did start as a, as a, as a young kid. I, I was fascinated by archaeology, which um, obviously leads you into things like Egyptology, which immediate exposure to you know, the embalming process. Everybody's familiar with mummies. But, again, there was plants and resins and things. that just tripped a little kid's fancy in the 70s. There weren't a lot of video games. There weren't any. Um, And so, you know, my thing was to take any kind of fascination like that to the books. And my mom was a kind of anti-battery, so the books was what I had uh, living out in the country in the middle of nowhere. Um, It led me early into the plant and plant medicine um, potential – uh, you know, as I said, really early in life. Growing up with um, uh, German immigrant farmers, there was also a lot of that kind of holdover. Um, some, you know, quote-unquote old old wives and some perhaps uh, just folk medicines were definitely in, you know, with uh, grandma. I mean, so was the whiskey and the lemon, too. I mean, don't get <laughs> me wrong. But, um, so I just, my mind was just shaped early, you know, and it's plastic, you uh, uh, time mm-hmm. to uh, to embrace you know out of the box yeah type uh, things and, and looking for explanations and in in, in uh, what I could observe um, that led me into anthropology archaeology um, not a lot out uh, out there um, in regards to that outside of the education and a university experience um, I was kind of uh, sucked up out of normal life in my, uh, college days, I was, uh, believe it or not, brought into the fashion world and, uh, uh, was, uh, quote unquote discovered early on, uh, Bruce Weber and the early Calvin Klein stuff and Versace stuff, believe it or not, Interesting. um, which allowed this country farmer's kid to escape his shackles of the cornfield. <laughs> and, uh, I took off to Greece after landing a couple of neat campaigns, gaining some exposure, learning a few things. And um, I shuttled off to uh, Athens, Greece, um, which going back to my origin story, if you will, Mm. uh, of archaeology and anthropology, I was able to, you know, live in a place i was only able to come in contact with through world book encyclopedias yeah. and um i just found myself really diving headlong into that history being exposed more being exposed more plants sure. um and people um, who had a different uh handle on things um all that was just very shaping towards my young adult pursuits that would take place uh as I returned back to the States, um, maybe five years uh, later, I took off to Europe around 20 years mm-hmm. old or so and ended up coming back home around 25. Nice. Um,
0: that's an important thing, I think, for a lot of people to gain that worldly knowledge and see people that maybe have a different culture than you do, different practices. And yeah, we have different healthcare around the world. And I think we have this perception that the States, like, that's the top of the healthcare scene. Um unfortunately I don't think that's the case anymore. Um and so I think if you learn some more let's say ancient or more altered or different practices, um it could be a good thing to bring into current day. Um and so, you know, you had this interesting background. How did you start into holistic health then?
2: Well,
1: you know, yeah, interestingly enough, there are a couple of occasions why I lived overseas, I had a one-way ticket, I had to figure out my way home, all these types of things you get ill, Mm -hmm. you might have a motorcycle wreck like a lot of Americans do visiting Europe and going to islands. happened to me. Um, And I was exposed to alternative paradigms of treatment because Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't, you know, now they have a more socialized medical network, um, but I didn't have exposure to that. Out on the islands, you had to kind of go with what was available to you. And it piqued my interest. And and I, I started delving into those areas of, of, knowledge upon my return home to Chicago, where I was fortunate to, through another, the guys I worked with, um, he made a recommendation, uh, that I might enjoy getting a treatment by a guy named, uh, Dr. Scott, who, uh, um, Akeem Scott, who later became my mentor, uh, still is mm-hmm. in a very large way in my, in my life today, some th- 30 years later. Um, and, uh, He's, you know, Ayurvedic, uh, educated in Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, uh, more of the Taoist traditions. And um, I started working with him and uh, began gaining uh, a great deal of exposure through through that association. Mm
0: -hmm. And then were you practicing at any time or were you kind of going to different companies Mm -hmm. and working? Or what was your background with that?
1: Well, well, I mean, at the time... uh, I was still working with, uh, as a a model, as my main source of income, which is always kind of funny for me to say, looking back 30 plus years ago now, Yeah. Um, but uh, Akeem got me in quite, right away, we started, I started working in different groups, and so I started actually working um, as a film, uh, I I would sit back and do uh, original uh, digital photography and film. Uh, or even, gosh, I think it was, a, I'm not much of a tech guy, but he'd set me up with a camera. Mm-hmm. I'd record uh, in health food stores, which uh, I eventually started working in. Um, I would also get certifications, so I started studying uh, Thai through the Ad Bo Rarn. Um, I studied uh, Thai massage, medical massage. There's a meridian system there, mm-hmm. um, a diagnostic system there. Um, I was exposed to um, cranial sacral, where I got certification there. Mm-hmm. Um, I started, That led me to other things where I started studying Shiatsu, Ohashiatsu, which is under Master Ohashi. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very famous, um, he's a peekaboo. Are you familiar with the peekaboo term? I'm not, no. Um, my wife gave it, uh, explained it to me some years later. But I guess that was a reference to children of Hiroshima and Nagasaki okay. that survived it. They were affected by the radiation, huh. um, if I if I get this correct, yeah, um, and uh, Ohashi is a remarkable human being. Uh, prescient is putting it lightly, sure. uh, bordering on the things he could do you 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 would attribute to psychism. Uh, he could do the, his diagnostics skill. Uh, was profound. He could smell your shoe and tell you what you ate. Uh, it, it, I watched him do it. It was incredible. Yeah. of hundreds of people. Yeah. Um, he worked with uh, Kissinger and Liza Minnelli. He was their practitioner. Interesting. Um, and so I got my first exposure to diagnostic skills, and Meridian Theory, uh, through the Japanese traditions, mm. through him outside of what uh, Dr. Scott had started exposing me to. Uh, I started preceptoring early on, right there around 25. Sure. Uh... And, and really didn't stop until I moved to Oregon some many years later after having my own clinic, mm-hmm. uh, working as a volunteer at uh, Akeem's uh, request, kind of uh, an internship at a volunteer AIDS clinic in Chicago in the 90s. Wow. Which was a frightening experience. Sure, yeah. um, people were dying. They'd die under your hands. I mean, it was a death sentence in those days. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm going all over the place, but that was really my exposure to herbs Mm -hmm. beyond what Akeem used with me and what I started learning with him was seeing them in a functional apparatus where they were the only option some people had with life-changing conditions or or taking conditions – Um, AIDS, hep C, and all the things, carposi sarcoma, all the the various things that came along with those, they couldn't afford AZT, the cocktails, they couldn't afford the prednisone. Um, So they were coming up to the NHTC where I worked, and we were doing acupuncture, um, herbs. The herbs were um, Sibodi Dharmananda's Seven Forest Line. I don't even know if it's still around. It was out of Portland, Oregon profoundly good formulas. I wish we still had yeah. herbal formulas like that on yeah. our shelves today in health food. Um, he only sold to Pro. But that's where I started getting exposed to um, the power of some of these plants, um, yeah. understanding formulation from a from a perspective that's been lost, I feel, in a lot of ways outside of a clinical experience and um, their efficacy.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's an important you know they talk about set and settings a big thing in healthcare and a lot of different modalities and when you use herbs in a clinical setting you learn things that's things that you know maybe aren't common knowledge like right. how can i use this and it be multifactorial or what kind of effects are really out there mm-hmm. and i even think about that in the world of herbalism mm-hmm. right now how many truths do we have that are actually lies and yeah. how many things that we'll say oh you know lemon balm is good for your nervous system to relax you but what else could you use it for? And there's a myriad of things that we could go into just even that one herb. And we have so many herbs that could also have that. Right. Um, So it's, I think it's important, you know, definitely get herbal knowledge, but then try to work with people and see like, how does it actually work?
1: Sure. Well, that's where I think, as I was mentioning uh, before we got started about the, the uh, diagnostic paradigm and having one, Mm -hmm. and it's just a point of context. Yeah. And, and, that, that uh, allows for us to s- to see with intention you know it, it would, a lot of people don't have any longer is intention generally anything yeah um, outside of their work or their home life or their their their, their um, extra extracurricular activities uh, TV has kind of eradicated our ability to imagine I think and follow passion f- from within yes and um, <clears throat> herbs I, I, I credit herbs with really my spiritual awakening is it is comes from what herbs taught me mm-hmm. under the auspices of um i utilize more strongly i i live life through the the taoist five element mm. uh, theory paradigm albeit there's the eight humors and there's the ayurvedic and there's a lot of traditions it just seemed to settle in with me sure um i studied like i said with ohashi dr Akeem scott um i went to school with um you know, the uh, Michael and Leslie Tierra's um, East-West Correspondence Course, which finishes with in-person stuff, which I didn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, I had already been uh, hired uh, by a company to, to head up their product development by that point. But um, I continued studying with people. In those days, the formal educational avenues were were sparse. Mm-hmm. And had, had you dug deep at all, it was really easy to find fault um, in, in a number of them. You know, if, and that more than it should have, it usually put me off so much that I wouldn't investigate further. Mm-hmm. Everybody has something of value, um, so I probably um, negated some opportunities sure. um, early on um, that I was able to regain down the road. But um, getting into working in this industry, the supplement side of the industry after post-clinical, I was able to be exposed to tremendous human beings, especially before this industry really took off in the late 90s. Yeah. You know, I was working with, you know, Andrew Weil and some of these these people, Paul Stamets and, um, you know, Dr. Allstadt and Ed Smith of Herb Farming. I got to work with these people, you know, within a foot from one another. Yeah. um, And gain insights that today just aren't available.
2: Yeah.
0: And so with this... You know, large amount of information and knowledge that you've gained. Um, you've had clinical practice. You've been kind of all over the place, yep. and you've worked for a number of companies. Where are some of those companies that you've worked for?
1: Um, you know, well, I started with Eclectic Institute, um, and that was a, a vertically integrated company. Mm-hmm. Uh, first certified organic company I know of in this industry, although lots of people try to claim it. Yeah, um, that's when I became an organics inspector. Was because I became the liaison with the Oregon Tilth. While at that company, um, I worked for Heal BHI, uh, Nutris- uh, NutriBiotic, um, Herb Farm, uh, Gosh, uh, Garden of Life, obviously, mm-hmm. which a lot of people out here know me from. Um, now I'm with True Grace. Um, Eclectic was probably the most formative um, I was also, I'm sorry, uh, Equinox Botanicals, which was a fascinating. He was the founder of the um, United Plant Savers. He was the donor of the land. He was a what an amazing human being. Uh, he was uh, I'm trying to remember his name off the top of my head for some reason. It's, I'm spacing. Out. Yeah. Paul. Um, oh, he basically bought up all the old strip mines in southern Ohio in Miggs County and reforested them on his own back with a donkey or two. Crazy wow. story. We're talking about somebody an interview. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um and he founded this company on the back of a little salve called um Golden Healing Salve, which the FDA some ten years, five years ago, something like that, made him change to Golden Salve, of course. You know, of course don't allude to any healing here. No, no. No. Can't have Can't, that. no, it's not a pharmaceutical that kills people. No. Um, <laughs> you know, um but So I also worked with him. I designed products for him. I worked, I had my own little company, um, Healing Earth Renaissance, uh, acronym HER, as in Mother Earth, Mm -hmm. H-E-R, where I did a lot of cost-counting and product development for smaller companies um, like Equinox Botanicals who sorely needed to have uh, their books fixed and, uh, and proper margins attributed to things, et cetera. I learned a lot uh, in the process, but I also, again, got exposed to Paul Strauss. That's his name. Okay. Uh, yeah. Fantastic individual. Um, he donated, I don't know how I many thousands of his acres to the United Plant Savers, who now there's a West Coast one that Herb Farm has donated their farm to, yeah. um, Ed and Sarah. Um, so I have a real varied experience that touches on some of the 1960s herbal Renaissance people mm-hmm. from the California school that most herbalists know. The listeners may not um, to the modern iteration um, your naturopathic uh, schools NC- NCNM, uh, and and CNM and Bastier type people on the west coast when I went to eclectic mm-hmm. to your mushroom people out of uh, some of the uh, really neat things that happened in the, the 90s in uh, the Pacific Northwest uh, there are a lot of different uh, meetings and groups up at Mount Hood um, that you know the pioneers in San Francisco that I mean, really the magic days of the health food industry brought a lot of great minds together. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. And I want to break some things down just for the listeners, if they don't know some of these organizations. um, I was just in Maryland actually for Herbalism Conference, and United Plant Savers had a booth there. Um, And it's great to see their work still going with Mm -hmm. them, helping to certify land and also preserve certain plant species that we need to protect. Um, So if you are interested in, like, either having your land certified or growing herbs for that cause, reach out to them. They also have some really cool courses going on. Mm-hmm. Um Herb Farm is a great company out in Oregon. Yep. Um and they have wildcrafted or organic products that they make is mostly Regen- tinctures.
1: They're just regenerative org- or regenerative organic certified, which is like yep. an advanced organic certification.
0: And they're wonderful for that. Um, and then some of the kind of practices that jason's referring to like eclectic um that refers to kind of i guess you could say an older form of herbal medicine um they're the physicians that we had here in the states at one time um you think about like the doctors going to your door with like a bottle of weird stuff (laughs) that was kind of eclectic herbalism and um if you're interested in herbalism that's a great field to go into and i think it's important to you know realize, too, there's different forms that will resonate with you, Mm -hmm. like TCM and Oriental is one for people to look into, there's Western herbalism, eclectics, um, you name it, there's a lot of different, you know, modalities, so just find something that resonates with you. Um, So, wow, you know, we've covered your backstory, (laughs) origin story of Batman, (laughs) Um, the companies that he's worked for, Um, and now you're with True Grace. Yeah. Um, Do you mind telling listeners a little bit about True Grace, and then also, now that you're working for them? What do you feel like is your purpose or the community that you're serving now?
1: Yeah, um, interesting. So True Grace is uh, the brainchild of Christy Hall, uh, her husband Brian Hall, Mm -hmm. uh, both of whom were uh, employees at New Chapter, one of the early on uh, herb companies. Um, Not as early as Herb Farm and Eclectic, but uh, Paul Schulich founded it on the back of uh, Ginger Wonder Syrup for people that go way back in health food. Love that stuff. Um, I don't even know if it's still available, but if it is, you should get it. It's I great. I don't know what's in Ginger Ma- Wonder Syrup now. <laughs> it, it, it's a ginger syrup, uh, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, it was, it was wonderful. And um, he hired Tom Newmark, who is an attorney, but uh, a very gifted business person. And Tom Newmark, um, Paul Schulich, Herb Lewis is a sales guy. And Brian Hall kind of took New Chapter, another company I worked for, by the way, um, uh, and really graduated it until what we see this business has become today, frankly, um, as they, they coupled more modern business techniques with the herbal industry, which was really a lot of sandal wearing, not too business motivated Um more uh, high-minded in a philosophical way sure than good business acumen so they did what was much needed for the company um as a result uh you know brian and herb and tom took paul's company to you know from a couple of million to a hundred million in some 13 years wow. uh uh, employing a number of people, changing the face of the health food industry in regards vitamins mm-hmm. um, and herbal supplements. Um, mm. At that point, you know the it always interfaces with other parts of the story. Um, in 1997, due in a great part to uh, other companies, but you know, a new chapter get coming on the horizon too, which really took off in the 2000s, gained the attention of. Uh, big business, global business, um, who noticed that we made more money in health food industry supplement side than they made in pharmaceutical in that same year. Wow. And um, that uh, started a never-ending series of events that, that caused them to try to put us out of business, uh, find different ways of, of creating laws and systems that would make it more and more difficult for the health food side of the industry to... Uh, propagate and and grow. Mm -hmm. Um, But be that as it may, it did continue to persist. We continued to grow and expand. Um, They ended up, uh, Procter & Gamble, one of the largest, oldest companies in the United States, um, maker of a lot of soaps um, and uh, other uh, articles from the conventional world, Mm -hmm. decided to purchase New Chapter. Um, So out of that, it's kind of the change that we've seen take place with this whole industry that makes a true grace come to birth and via the people that, are, that own it and for reasons will arrive to. So all of a sudden it became the thing to do for control since we, they couldn't outlaw us. They Mm -hmm. couldn't uh, get the Supreme Court to rule against us. Herbs and various nutrients were too related to food. That's why they call them dietary supplements. Mm -hmm. It pigeonholes us in one one way, but it protects us as an industry and the availability to people in large like your consumers. Um, It's it's a double-edged sword. And so I'm thankful in some regards. But um, as they bought it, certain aspects, the companies that these people from outside of our business, even grocery store lines, you know, that bought other health food chains, yeah. they changed because they didn't have the understanding, the heart, the passion, or the knowledge. Um, they saw the dollars.
2: yeah,
1: uh, And that started changing the face of the health food business. And the companies that were purchased, they'd maintain some integrity or, or even a lot um, to maintain the, the look uh, necessary to, uh, to achieving, you know, that place that they're looking to hold uh, in terms of revenue. But um, a lot of us who had spent our entire lives, you know, Brian Hall, for instance, from True Grace, the CEO, he started working at a little health food store outside of Cleveland called Weber's um, in his teens. Um, his wife had uh, started off uh, as a gardener life and then went to New Chapter where they met. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she has a, a family uh, background that made it available upon the passing of her father, sadly, He's an incredibly successful business uh, man of his own and left behind a very significant amount of money that later on would be the foundation of our company for the reasons I'm building up to. Christy and Brian were very high up at, at uh, New Chapter, uh, Vice Presidents, uh, well, National Sales Manager and Regional Manager prior, Procter & Gamble's Purchase, they... Um, became vice presidents uh in canada and took over uh uh, building canada building Salesforce, and get propagating it throughout the the region as it turned out the entirety of of how products were produced why what the margins were supposed to be versus what it could do and why it was doing it Mm -hmm. uh, became the motive they started to lose their luster for what they were doing as a result of the passion was removed. You know, we have this thing in sales called the three P's. Some people say the four P's. I mean, my boss has the six P's, but, but passion is one of those P's. You'll have price and you'll have people and, and promotion, uh, a variety of things. But, you know, passion's huge. And those of us that have been doing this, whether you're an herbalist, you're a vitamin or a nutritionist person, uh, uh, motivated human, you're, you're really behind it and you see the value. And, those big global interests saw the revenue mm-hmm. and continue to see the revenue. And that's what they're more interested in. Yep. And they're good at that. They're really good at that. And they've taught this us again, the uh, herbalists and the hippies of the group, how to do good business. Yeah. Um, so true grace is the brainchild of Christie and Brian Hall, trying to return the health food industry to its healthy roots. They wanted to produce a family-owned company, mm-hmm. not be bought, sell out to equity, not um, sell out to these big giant global corporations that sell candy bars yep. um, and uh, bottled water yep. polluting our oceans. Um, and they decided to embark on, on this during uh, the COVID time period. Uh, and it's a hard qu- time period. <laughs> yeah, quit their jobs. Um, fortunately, had a lot of money of their own behind themselves. Yeah. And uh, here we are. I'm sure I talked a little too, too much there. No, that's
0: <laughs> great. It's, it's great to hear that background. And um, I think, you know, in the health food industry now, since I grew up with it, I kind of feel like I had the, like, the last feeling of the hippies wearing Birkenstocks and just being, like, kind of down to earth, mm-hmm. drinking really bad <laughs> meal and protein shakes that were made. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think of that nitty gritty kind of health food scene um, back then. And it has become much more industrialized um, now. And we have a lot of companies that aren't owned by small families. They're owned by, like you said, bigger companies that mm-hmm. they don't see health as the main priority always. And that might be something that most people don't realize is that a lot of the health food companies that they buy from are actually larger companies behind them. Just with a lot of the things in our world now are sure a lot of our interests are controlled by larger, big companies um, and interests. Um, and I think it's also important to note that this is also having like the... I would say, like, the health food scene butt up against pharmaceutical companies and other big businesses has been around for a long time. We have like, the AMA suppressing things for a long time, mm-hmm. um, suppressing work that was coming out. And I'm only mentioning this because it's been something that I've been recently interested in, too, seeing, like, the work of, like, people like Royal Rife being, like, yeah. put down by AMA. And it's scary. We would be a lot more advanced in some health scenes if we didn't have that. Well, um, i Yep, yep. Yeah, that's yeah. another big one. So definitely look up You know, Wilhelm Reich's a great one, um, Royal Reif, um, look up Louis Pasteur versus Bichon. Pasteur's not the guy that we think he was. Um, so it's scary that we've had this, but it's good to know that there's companies around that are doing the right thing. Um, and so if you had to say like, what is True Grace serving? Like what kind of people is True Grace serving and what do they offer?
1: Um, well, you know, the, again, we're starting with a small core that the people we're serving is everyone everyone has a has a right uh, inherent right to good nutrition mm-hmm. and in uh, real formats you know so many nutrients that have been sold under the, um the, the the moniker of vitamin are these these uh single constituent extracts um and they're, they aren't how they appear in nature they aren't how the human body uh interacts with them through our food and as a result you really don't get a lot of what you have to what you need to absorb um a lot of them are like b vitamins that come from coal tar which is a byproduct of the petroleum industry mm-hmm. nothing against it but again it's not the form that your body's used to consuming yeah. it doesn't you know in many cases it's a toxic load um you know vitamin c at a thousand milligrams of uh of a usp variety is ascorbic acid it, it's it's just like wonder bread back in the day we all started eating you know whole you know, whole wheat sprouted <laughs> whole wheat and all these things because wonder bread took it all out and then we put it back in yep. and here we are we did the same thing in vitamins it's like we took the rootin off took the flavonoids off and we gave you left ascorbic acid but, oh, gosh, we need to sell you rootin, too, because we took it off, and you need it for the, the ascorbic yep. acid. Oh, we need the flavonoids. And, we need, and all of a sudden, you're rebuilding Frankenstein over here. Mm-hmm. Out of all the constituent parts, you just took off of Frankenstein.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, vitamins are a tricky thing. And, you know, putting together a tablet or a couple of tablets or capsules that generates nutrient profile that, that is effective and in a good enough dosage to be effective, um, to be absorbed in a f- uh, format that's absorbable. Um, it's It's been a trick. Um, it's not to beat up the people who have done those things on the way, but it's also why we've had these giant RDAs in some nutrients that aren't realistic. I mean, some of these things, you know, 500 megs of vitamin C, um, it'd be like a wheelbarrow of oranges. And it's just, basic logic should predicate any consideration in this field definitely and we've lost it and some of us just don't have it because we didn't study nutrition and we weren't exposed to it yeah. um but uh you know it's the fact is you need supplementation because our soil has been destroyed by the the agronomic pra- uh, uh, practices that have been prevalent in the west and now feed the world so again double-edged sword people being fed destroying the soil however much like the dust bowl Back in the '30s, uh, we've we've depleted our soil of so many microorganisms and minerals and uh, things that you can't imagine. That's byproduct of their life cycles is actually the nutrients as an off gas that our plants absorb that we in turn consume the plants and get. You know, uh, broccoli, for instance. Uh, there's a study I read years ago. I mean, this is like Prescription and Nutritional Healing First Edition. <laughs> Go find one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, broccoli had 50% more calcium, I wish I remembered the milligrams, in 1950 as it did in 1994. Yep. I mean, and that's one of – and that's a mineral mm-hmm. constituent. Vitamins and stuff, I mean, you do – through tillage, you destroy – all kinds of things, ergothionine, which most people don't even know, yeah. um, The various uh, micro- microbes, we're out here taking probiotics, so those same probiotics are almost a one-to-one with what we take for our body, that are in the soil, and it's the off-gassing of those probiotics that create coenzymes and enzymes and nutrients of vitamins and things that your body utilizes, whether you take it in a capsule or you eat it off your food, mm-hmm. and... We have destroyed all of those. So what? What True Grace is endeavoring to do is, and done, is build a core of products to start with, which is a food-based vitamin. So taking this vitamin, you can take it without food, with food. I still prefer taking all mine with food. Yeah. I think we're myopic in our view as humans, and what's probably really taking place, mm-hmm. no matter how good we think we get. Um, we have a whole oil delivering uh, 100% EPA and DHA, omega-3s. Um, we've got a probiotic that's been in a delivery, uh, a capsule that's protected uh, to deliver the probiotics to the, the small intestine and large intestine. So they actually get to where they're supposed to go and do the job they're supposed to do. So everything we're doing that true is about transparency. Uh, We're trying to tell you exactly what we've got here. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're trying to give it to you. Grace is to give honor to. Um, We're trying to give honor to the earth as well as to your health. Um, So we have a double-edged approach to this uh, company. It's all about taking care of our our environment, being stewards of nature, as well as uh, stewards of human health.
0: Yeah. Amen. And, uh, yeah, again, you touched on great pieces there. Um, yeah, with the tillage that we do nowadays, you're right. We destroy a lot of things, and we also destroy what we're going to jump into next, which is the mycorrhizal colonies that we have, the mushrooms. And there was um, a great biodynamic farming mentor and you know person in the industry named Rudolf Steiner, yep. who uh, said that he always searched for the potatoes that he had as a kid, and he could never find them, and meaning that they weren't the same quality. And I think we see that nowadays we have. Frankenstein foods like where we're adding things back in that why would you remove it in the first place and yeah you should be able to eat a carrot and just say wow that's a carrot and nowadays they're just bland and um, it's scary that we're just letting these standards go by but you know I think I talked a lot of people and they'll say oh I don't have time to take interest in my food or my health I'm busy with lots of other things and you know I understand we live in a busy world nowadays but what an important thing to take time to invest in and when you have that knowledge, you know, and that transparency and that interest, um, and learning from companies like True Grace and like yourself and other people, you know, that really arms you so that people can't deceive you. And I think we just lived through a time when there was a lot of things where, oh, we have 12 feet additions distance. No, it's six feet. Now it's one mass. Now it's two mass. Mm-hmm. Now it's, you know, yeah. what can we be fooled with now? And so when you have that knowledge, you know, you can't be tricked and, you know, you're in a lot, I think, safer area with your own health. Um, So I think this is going to be a good route to go into is now is diving into more of the mushroom realm of things, Mm. um, because I've noticed a big interest in this now um, with consumers and people just coming to more, I think, talks on mushrooms or being more interested in mushroom coffee is a big thing now, uh, mushroom extracts and powders and tinctures. So, you know, I think most people say, oh, it's that thing that makes you trip, right? Um, And it's not just that. (laughs) We have some other ones. But if someone's not familiar with mushrooms, what are they?
1: Right. Um, well, uh, a mushroom is actually the procreative fruit of another organism uh, scientifically referred to as basidiomycetes uh, or a perfect fungi, macrofungi. Um, they monopolize and grow where things are in need of and in the process of decay. Mm-hmm. Um, Their spores germinate um, in certain substrates. Um, different mushrooms prefer different things. Uh, I, I am a wild crafter. Uh, my wife and daughter and I all wildcraft craft um, for decades now. Um, mushrooms, you, you find various ones on dirt and soil, mm-hmm. uh, specific kinds of soil, specific kinds of mushrooms. Um, other ones on hardwoods, some under softwoods. Depending on what I'm looking for, I look for trees, mm-hmm. um, you know. So, again, they're part of the process of renewal and regeneration in nature, which is a huge component, of again, of True Grace's regenerative agriculture. And it's no big secret. It's, it's how this earth perpetuates itself and re-perpetuates um, every year. Uh, that's why we have the seasons. Um, and and uh, so mushrooms are an intimate part of that along with some other plants. And, um, you know, we've had a relationship them with them as human beings spanning beyond history.
0: A long, long time, yeah, yeah. And so we have a lot of different ways to grow mushrooms. So like you said, they can be on the ground, mm-hmm. can be on trees. Um, and there's even companies now that are growing them on spawn grain. Um, mm-hmm. They can grow them from that on hardwood or other substrates. Mm-hmm. We have manure, lots of different things. Yep. Um, And then we also have different parts that we can use and so there's a lot of confusion i think contemplation on should we use the mycelium or using the freeing body Mm -hmm. um what's your opinion on some of those growing methods and also what part that we're using
1: yeah i mean we gotta look human beings are incredible where they're we're really creative and we're always looking for a more expeditious way to get to what it is that we want Mm -hmm. and sometimes that is to our benefit (laughs) and sometimes it is not yep and um you know, it's really neat what we've discovered that we can do. I mean, we've done it with everything from, you know, growing marijuana to growing mushrooms. Mm-hmm. I mean, and um, it's not just to stick to those t- two because they're similar, but um, we, we're remarkable. But look what we've done with food. Again, we've just had this conversation. We could grow super nutrient-rich food, just not as much.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or we can grow tons of it and lose our nutritional value. Yep. And, you know, it's uh, it's it's that razor's edge, you know, that we all have to walk. Um, and it's, um, it's true with mushrooms as well. So I think it's really neat that we can grow, you know, mycelium on certain liquid um, substrates. I think it's neat that we can um, procreate a, a mushroom species on grains in controlled environments so that we aren't victim to weather and other patterns that interfere with our capacity to have what it is we're trying to get. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: However, it's at the loss uh, of of a number of different attributes that plants develop as a byproduct of their growth cycle. And you can say the same thing for human beings. There's an analogy in every part of life, but plants have things, metabolites, humans do too, secondary metabolites, things that are a byproduct of their life cycle and, there the hardships or lack thereof that they are exposed to in the pursuit of that life. And in the, in the maturation from one cycle to a new cycle to you know a mature cycle, there are different components developed, evolved along the way as a product of that life. Um, and you get greater amounts or some entirely uh, dependent upon. How they grew, and in what they grew. Mushrooms—it's extraordinarily clear. You know, we're all human beings, and we all have a certain—outside of you know some congenital issues, you know, or or handicaps that you're born with. And this isn't meant to be uh, disparaging in any way. But generally speaking, we all have certain capacities. Generally speaking, mushrooms in different species have specific capacities mm-hmm. all of these just like human beings nuance which in the case of mushrooms is the level of constituents and nutritional um, articles that we find benefit from are developed as a byproduct of certain sets of conditions just like a human being that grew up with a piano playing parent might be more apt at music and yep. have an ear that is more capable of of providing context to music in a way to be able to then play it. Mm-hmm. Um mushrooms uh just like every other plant I could, I could go on for hours about this. Um when I go out looking for them in the woods I I know by the tree line what I'm going to find. If I when I was out in in Oregon and I'm looking for chanterelles, one of my favorite mushrooms for risotto. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I like a nice risotto. I'm not the the most patient when making one. But I know by looking for fir trees, I know by looking for grades, and I know that from wherever they lay under certain conditions, they're going to have the texture I want. Mm -hmm. That texture is, is literally indicative of if I had a microscope and I could take an assay, I would be able to say, it's these chemicals. Yeah. I don't really care. I can taste them.
0: Yeah exactly
1: i can feel them i can see them by the color and that's what i look for i can do that with every single mushroom and you know i was just talking earlier with somebody about we were just wildcrafting crafting reishi a great year for reishi chicken of the woods and you know there's hundreds and hundreds of of hardwoods in this woods we're in mm-hmm. and this is over in ohio uh, mid to southwest ohio where reishi grows in abundance if you know what you're looking for turkey tail chicken of the woods oysters different times of the year um different substrates every single piece of reishi one of my favorite bits of herbal medicine on earth also one of the ancient chinese Taoists, you know seven immortals Mm -hmm. one of the ones that makes you a long bearded guy that lives to 500 in the mountains supposedly that stuff every last piece i found was on chinese cork oak in the woods i was in wow There are hundreds of different species, surely, certainly of other trees, hundreds, Mm -hmm. but definitely, I mean, there's tulip poplar. There's, you know, I mean, there's so many different trees. Other oaks, Mm -hmm. they were on exclusively Chinese cork oak, which I thought was fascinating. And I always make comments to myself in my head and notes in my head about these types of things. And then I look at the conditions. Well, certain metabolites are formed by virtue of the fight for life,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the survival, you know, in 1998, to go back so you have a relationship with the mushroom grown on wood versus a mushroom grown on rice in a basement.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's kind of like a, that's like the difference between a farm kid and a rich kid in my book, <laughs> just before I return to it. Echinacea angustifolia was the industry's baby back in the nineties, you know, echinacea and golden seal, yep. you know, and fantastic medicines. But Echinacea angustifolia is the one, not purpurea. You know, we could say we could have an argument for palata, pallida, um, and we can talk about purpurea as a, a nice medicine, but it's not the medicine that Echinacea angustifolia is. There are no iconicicides in Echinacea purpurea. Echinacea purpurea can be grown in rows, and it can be cultivated and irrigated, and you can get a big, healthy weight out of a root. low-lying root echinacea angustifolia we had to pay fifteen dollars sometimes more a pound you had to go to um indigenous americans uh, out in the middle west uh, not the midwest but like really nebraska some of those areas where loads of water in the winter from snow four centimeters on average rainfall on echinacea angustifolia so that's rocky crappy for farming purposes yeah soil that those roots would have to fight, and kick, and knock their way down through rocks and gravel and the hardest clay soil you've ever seen. But the process made these things we call iconic side, these things that are medicinal to us. Yep. It'll numb your tongue better than a nine volt battery, <laughs> right? And it was 15 bucks a pound and it took a pitch for it to get that stuff out of the ground it was incredible um so it's but but lo and behold because it was we we wanted to have certified organic because we wanted to save plants and that's a great thing we couldn't learn to properly sustainably cultivate things because we just got to make all the money now um another another show we could have um but be that as it may, we were determined to have a certified organic echinacea angustifolia. And this takes you to a book um, by uh, Dr. Jared Diamond, uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel, and, and the book. Evolution of Human Beings and Plants. Mm-hmm. And you can see something very, I, I watched it firsthand, which became uh, part of what I, how I chose the companies I worked for and my, developed into my personal philosophy about plants. I watched Echinacea angustifolia, this amazing long shriveled up root with this black and white cross section, you know, that numbed your tongue, taken to Canada. They finally, we did it. We, we, we cultivated Echinacea angustifolia. Well, you did. Oh, send us some. Mm-hmm. Send us some immediately. We're the one of the biggest herb companies back then in the 90s. You've never even heard of Eclectic now. Um, well, they sent me this root. Now, echinacea staphylium would come like I mean, two feet long. Yeah, skinny. You know, the size of your thumb, a pepperoni stick, slim jim, maybe a little <laughs> knottier. He a- a- sent me these short succulent, like uh, three little pieces coming off, like cucumbers, little brown cucumbers or bloated thumbs. And I remember looking at it going, wow, it's low-lying, meaning the crown was here and the root structure just bent out surf with, you know, parallel to the surface of the ground. What's that mean? It means it's getting a load of water yep. and it was fat, meaning it's getting a load of water. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay. Now, what's that mean? Well, when I cut into it, because back in the day, before all this testing and GMP, we had to have what's called organoleptic testing. And it's visual, smell, textural, and taste. And yep. so my butt would be out there. The Wildcrups would be bringing in 10,000 pounds totes, bags, whatever. And I'd be taking a bite out of it, you know, and taking a gnaw. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and and I remember I cut into this, this so-called certified organic Echinacea tofolia and there's no black and white cross-section. was like this very slight hint of a gray speck where black would be very pronounced in the Angus Tifolia species, but it's mostly just like a white, it was like burdock root, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like which would be like a white carrot for those yeah. uh, that are unfamiliar. Um, and we macerated it. We met, we were famous for uh, certified organic grape, uh, alcohol. We mm-hmm. called it, um, organol. Um, and it was great stuff, but uh, in the process of maceration, something that never happened in the history of all my maceration of thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands of pounds of echinacea. Yeah. That was what we did, that, that was like our thing, because um, we used the eclectic ways of doing it. We used eclectic distillery. Um, wow. You know, we had the real apparatus. It was pretty cool. That is cool. Um, but. It's within like a few short days, it had this overwhelming smell of uh, ammonia Hmm. coming off this this root we were tincturing. So right there, I had just been reading Guns, Germs, and Steel. And I I started to make this association that he had initially started setting, um, explaining through the auspices of the almond, which had originally been fairly toxic uh, to human beings as a stone fruit. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it was taken off the rocky outcroppings where it grows naturally or did into the loamy soil, alkaloids or whatever the substances converted, you know, fats, proteins, and carbohydrates became a food source. Hmm. Um, But same thing, it just happened. So we were going to cultivate the medicine right out of our our plant, in in my mind. Um, Mushrooms, the same thing. I mean is there a place is are some of these myceliums growing on grains great yeah there are and and i think you've got a 30 year body of information mm-hmm. or so maybe it's 40 by now yeah where you can make a pretty decent argument over a, not even a handful a couple i'd say turkey tail and my silly turkey tail but I, I gotta say the body of not information on the fruit body is vastly more um deeper than yeah and expansive in terms of functionality yeah it runs down various veins and I can say that about every mushroom long longer story shorter we're at a place with mushrooms that when they grow you know chaga mushroom grows on birch Mm -hmm. almost exclusively why would I grow that on rice now nobody's gotten to be able to do it yet but I assure you Mm -hmm. when they can if they They ever figure it out they will yeah but what is it about chaga that's unique well, it's a stuff called betulinic acid. Mm-hmm. It has a triterpene. And it comes from a triterpenoid called uh, betulanin. And betulanin lives in the cambrium of the bark of the betula, betula- albans, or betula albans, um, if you're a redneck like me. <laughs> um, but what's fun- funny is the mycelium, you know, that stuff that some people are selling, versus the, the fruit body, which is the sclerotium that we all are looking for,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that mycelium harvests pulls the, the in from the cambrium, converts it into betulinic acid in the sclerotium, the hardened mass of old mycelium in this case, and then locks it up in its chitinous wall. Mm-hmm. It can't be powdered and gotten. You can't take the mycelium and get betulinic acid. It's in the sclerotium. But you can boil it in water and drink it as a lovely tea And get benilenic acid, which is great for, let's call it chronic tumorous conditions to stay within our (laughs) legal uh, realms. Um, I I always like to tell people one thing, you know, it's like you've never gone to a dead concert and had somebody try to sell you a bag of rice. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, I think you you brought up some great points and it's amazing to hear your backstory with a lot of these plants because, yeah, like – if you become a forager and i do that myself i grow mushrooms and i forage them and i can tell you there's nothing like going and finding reishi growing i find the Ganoderma suge, the one that grows on the hemlocks a lot of times
1: one of my favorites
0: yeah north carolina yeah. and it's like almost like a religious experience when you find it and you know i use ones that are grown on hardwoods i usually try to grow on hardwood like you know mm-hmm. cuttings and stuff like that um, but if i grow them on grain i just use them more as food mm-hmm. you know and i think if you're going to use them for that medicine we look at how they grow in nature and that's how they grow. They grow on wood Mm -hmm. and we usually harvest the fruiting bodies because that's what comes out. And that's also what's ethical. Right. If I take all of mycelium out of a a log, then you can't come along and also harvest some, you know, it needs to be able to reproduce. And I want to harvest ethically where I maybe only take like a third of the fruiting body. And yeah, I think when we have people that, aren't foraging, that aren't involved in the process of making medicine, they don't understand what goes into making these products and how they actually appear in nature. Right, And that's how we can get into some of the standards we have now, um, where the interest is not in health anymore, I feel like. Um, so I think it's a great start to mushrooms. And you touched on one, chaga, which mm-hmm. is a great form of medicine. Um, but then we have some other ones. So we have reishi, turkey mm-hmm. tail, mm-hmm. cordyceps, there's a lot of other ones. Yeah. But do you mind kind of just Going to be going through a couple of those and saying a bit of each one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can tell you one, cordyceps is probably the most misunderstood of them all. Um, It's on the kidney uh, and lung meridians in Chinese medicine. Um, The kidney meridian is kind of a specific place where um, we refer to Dantian um, or the hara in Japanese. Um, It's actually not just the kidneys. It's the kidneys, the adrenals, the thyroid. It's really that which regulates the whole body. It's where your chi from your food and the air you breathe, i.e. energy, is taken as a reservoir and then sent out to the other meridians. In Chinese meridian theory, it's just as a lay way of putting that out there. Um, But cordyceps is a neat plant. Mind you, what what we all think we're getting is cordyceps sinensis. Mm -hmm. But this is like saffron. And um the last time I bought real honest to God cordycepsinensis, it was at Eclectic in like two thousand I don't know, eight, nine. And I was on a research project I was working with Ed on, who's now passed. Um, but it was about twelve hundred, twelve hundred and fifty dollars a Leon, which is somewhere around an eighth, in between like an eighth and a quarter of an ounce.
2: Okay.
1: Not a lot yeah. of stuff, Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's like a little bag. Mm-hmm. And um, This stuff is a caterpillar Mm -hmm. with dry, uh, it's all dry, dry mycelium, not living, um, dry husk of caterpillar, and this little black squirrely-looking thread of a fruit body. And it's about an inch long, really. And it grows like 6,000-plus feet in Himalayas. It's harvested by hand, kind of like saffron. People are on their hands and knees going through the grass looking for this little black thing sticking up which you could barely see in the yeah. best of days. And then they, they pull it out. Mm-hmm. So to get enough of that to do the the business of, of medicine is challenging, to say the least. Yes. Um, so $1,200, pretty good price. <laughs> um, kind of like saffron, picking the middles of flowers out, right? Yeah. Um, but um, it's remarkable in its effect on the lungs and the kidneys, um, sexual uh, uh Things uh, for for men, uh, it's it's a whole host of, of 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 great effects. What it does with the lungs and the expansion of the bronchioles etc. But because of its high expense and difficulty in getting, and you know, six thousand plus feet is k- kind of difficult too, all in itself. A lot of studies have been done on Cordyceps militaris, which is is a species that shows it's got the same or similar le- levels of cordycepin. Mm-hmm which will at least take care of a lot of the effects that we were we were all benefiting medicinally speaking so your your um supportive healthy blood pressure supportive uh, uh well functioning uh expansive lungs um kidney health uh sexual prowess uh meaning you know uh stamina mm-hmm. uh, essentially um it's been used in by the Taoists for going to war uh, Taoist monks and fighting uh, martial arts chinese olympic team and myself and my martial arts training forever um i still use it for my running and walking in my mid uh, going into my late 50s hate to say i uh man i take cordy steps every day and i jam and i run (laughs) i smoke the 20 year olds i work with you know and and i gotta tell you i mean it was i used to smoke Mm -hmm. (laughs) if it burned i probably smoked it um so there's a lot to be said for these this, these things and some things again, you know the substrate for militaris is oftentimes a grain mm-hmm. but it's the fruit yep. that's that's harvested in this case and so you know I, I like to tell people again you know there's a difference every part of the plant's got benefit mm-hmm. mushroom or otherwise yeah so it's not to say this is the only good part and that's not mm-hmm. um that this preparations good and that one's not oh mm-hmm. sorry about that.
2: Got some some knuckleheads from work, um,
1: but um, it just—we need to work with what we have—the empirical data for. You know, John Uri Lloyd, one of the writers of the King's Dispensatory, um, with Felter, uh, the man of empiricism must precede the man of science. Otherwise, you don't know what to look for and study. Yeah, empiricism, observation under certain contexts allows for that. Yeah. So, other mushrooms. I mean. A turkey tail, remarkable. There's one if we're looking for a reason to, to use a myceliated product. Turkey tail has had a product in production since 1985. Creston or PSK, a polysaccharide product grown on grain um, for the big C word we can't bring, we can't talk about, mm-hmm. um, and that's been readily well not readily available but very available in in Asia. Um, there's still more of those constituents in the fruit just more difficult um it's got a pretty small window of catching it fresh i don't know if you're yeah. going after turkey tail but i can catch it really gray i can catch it white I can get yeah very rarely don't get it beautiful like reishi you know yeah yeah that that look um so you know there, again there's a place for all of them um there's just you know 90 percent of the nutritional factors in mushrooms lay, for humans mm-hmm. in the fruit yeah um what others uh you know lion's mane here's another reason so it's a great example everybody's lion's mane's the 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 mushroom these days oh and it's hey it's great because it's uh low weight uh uh polysaccharides etc actually benefit because it crosses a blood brain barrier and then we're studying it right now for ngf nerve growth factors it's a protein kind of produced like a hormone Mm -hmm. um got a lot of those we're finding in the brain you know in our study because trying to work with parkinson's and dementia and alzheimer's um it's great it's awesome but you know what if you're to use the fruit body the it's been used for hot digestive disturbances that we reference now um like acid reflux gastritis uh crohn's you know and chaga for crohn's i mean the so there's all these other aspects these guys that yeah if we use the commodity as we've 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 learned about it from history it's in every materia medica I see a fruit body mm-hmm. I don't see any mycelium except for cordyceps mm-hmm. in a, a caterpillar with a fruit
0: that's right yeah and those are some great examples and with this, I think we also argue like what's the form what's the form to take all these things and you know, it depends. Like you talked about gastritis. Well, with lion's I mean, maybe you're eating it, and that's a great way to take it. Sure. right into contact with your digestive system. But maybe you want the diet and tritropines, which are that, you know, neurological yep. support. That comes out really good in alcohol. Mm. And so it just depends on what constituent maybe we're trying to focus on or highlight. And then, you know, how do we bring that out?
1: Well, I mean, honestly, hot water. It's uh, hot aqueous extracts have always, you got to break the chitin. Yep. If you can't break the chitin, you can't get anything out. Yep. My biggest problem with other solvents is like alcohol, you precipitate the polysaccharide. Mm-hmm. So that means it separates like oil and water. Yeah. So Americans, you know, they want pulp-free orange juice. You want a shiny wax on their apple yeah. because they want it organic, don't you know, um, <laughs> baffling. Um, but the, you pour that that maceration of alcohol and, and mushroom or stragglers or any echinacea and all the polysaccharides in the filter paper yep. and so what have i done here um also you know to release the terpenes to release all that stuff you got to get through the chitin yep. um mastication is one way but it's not thorough mm-hmm. um we used to be a diet pr- product actually called um cheetosan or chitosan, it was maybe the right way of saying it but mm-hmm. it was cheetosan it was and it was a chitin product that supposedly bound with fat from the food you ate and carried it out of your body was the supposition in the marketing that went along with it. And it was on our health food shelves at one time. It must not have been very effective because it's not here. <laughs> um, I'm a firm um, proponent of hot water extraction mm-hmm. of mushrooms for medicinal use because I know, again, from a Materia Medica, Indications, contraindications, exactly laid out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now there's other things too, and other sources more modern, and I'll use them in that regard. But I I demand empiricism, mm-hmm. and it, because within that lay constitution, you know, of various people. Everybody's not the same, you yeah. know, and and everybody doesn't eat the same, and everybody doesn't start the game in the same place.
0: That's right, yeah.
1: And with that in mind, I I you know. When my sister got cancer, uh, this was 25 years ago, she's in remission, I sought out fruit bodies. Mm -hmm. I was working with Paul Stamets at the time. Paul's mom got it. He used turkey tail Mm -hmm. um, and other things, too. I I was not willing to risk my sister's life Mm -hmm. on supposition, on a theory I was coming up with, or even one of the most lauded people alive today in regards mushrooms
2: mm-hmm.
1: his old partner oh he and uh he broke up in a sense with him jeff chilton uh was over the same reason and i kind of side with jeff chilton in the mushroom thing growing on wood mm-hmm. in soil um, that's what they do now you know it's they, instead of bags of rice in the basement they take long tubes of plastic and they fill it with sawdust from boughs that they're trimming during you know uh mitigation on the farms you know they try to keep their trees and obviously regenerative but uh, in some trees they just have to fall down and they mill them yeah and so then they take that wood and they put that in these long sausage tubes plant it in the ground so it has exposure to the soil etc and the mm-hmm. microbes and then that is interacting and getting a lot closer to what you and I would find in the woods yeah. And so that's um, what I wished I had found from my sister. Um, I used a, a group called Mushroom Science, which I believe is fruit bodies grown on, on grains for the most part. I don't even know. I don't know if they're even around anymore. But I wanted a fruit body mm-hmm. um, because I wanted to know that I was getting something close to what I would read in my materia medica. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to be able to have a lot of clinical reference so I could, you know, uh, put adjunct therapies to use with it. Yeah. Which, which I did. And there's a lot of contraindications and indications between other plants.
0: Yeah. And I think it's a good point too with the fruit bodies. You know, when you have the mycelium and using that as a product, there's a chance that like the grains they're growing on can get thrown into the product. And sometimes you're just getting starch, which well, is scary. And you can test for that. You yeah. have iodine tests. And so yeah. if you're ever concerned, like how do I know if I'm actually getting good stuff, like just do an iodine test. If it turns blue, then you know. Right. And, uh, you know, like you said, you got to kind of have a standard.
1: Well, I'll give you a quick example. You know, mm-hmm. I would have said earlier, when I did Paul Stanley's first stuff, this is what they do. And this is what I don't like about it. It's 99% rice. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a big 32 gallon food grade 4 mil plastic bag, hundreds of them delivered when we ordered stuff. We would take that black bag of rice with a little patch of mycelium here, a patch over here. Mm-hmm. Tons of rice. Yeah. Take that, freeze dry it, hammer mill it into a powder, put it in a V blender, which is like a giant Y, stainless steel Y, flip it upside down, load the bottom of the Y, close it up, spin that sucker. I don't know the specific gravity difference if any of that stuff fell off in the process of powdering. Mm -hmm. But somehow I was led to believe or I was supposed to believe that when we put that in the hopper, that things didn't settle differently. That then we put that through the hopper, shot it into capsules. That each capsule got a perfectly even distribution of mycelium to rice. I, I can't believe that's possible. Yeah. And then, how much rice do I need when I'm looking for a mushroom? What if I'm taking my taki Yeah. And I want to balance my blood sugar. Why would I want all this additional alpha glucan or glycogen?
0: Yeah, I think it's a great point. Yeah, we have to have standards, and we got to look into how things are being processed and. Yeah, just be picky about it. And if you do your research, you go back in time, you'll see how things were. Um, so that's great. I think we've really broken down mushrooms. And I think I'd feel some regret if I didn't ask you also, besides the mushrooms, if you have any plants that you feel that you are really always called to or that you work with on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, I, I grow a lot. We had a permaculture farm uh, in Troy, Ohio, before I moved back out west, where I wanted to restudy um plants in nature i love the mountains out in oregon mm-hmm. um i know some of them like the back of my hand at least portions of them um it's it's working with them in their natural idiom that i feel you gain the most knowledge about the plants i'm a big fan of all elders um it's in you know it's another example you know you use the root you use use the bark of the elder tree isn't it for emesis. use the flower for diaphoresis mm-hmm. and the and it's still antiviral but it's got diaphragmatic aspects to it that the berry, antiviral, and nutritive doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is, it's, you know, so it's like a mulberry, not necessarily one of my favorites, but it could be. I mean, there's like five different herbs in Chinese medicine you got the root bark, you got the bark, you got the twig, you got the leaf, and the berry. Yep. And they're all different, and there's some similarities.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so yeah i'm a big 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 golden seal black cohosh elderberry ginseng um i like the forest herbs Mm -hmm. which is what how i got into the mushrooms um i'm probably more into those than i am mushrooms Mm -hmm. um except for reishi i love reishi and shiitake um i love cordyceps don't get me wrong i love them all i love chaga but those they just really speak to me um some my archaeology side comes out elder you know uh uh, Charlemagne required that all families had two elders in their yard. Um, and I, I, I love, we make everything out of elders. We made, we've made pipes, we've made, you know, we make syrups, we do syrups in, in maple. So we'll tap a maple tree, get the, the, uh, the sap off for making syrup, and then we'll boil that down with herbs, bitter herbs, particularly because they make them taste really good, mm-hmm. and boil it down with elderberry and do an elderberry maple syrup. um fantastic on cornbread um but uh, so we do that type of stuff so we grow a lot we we use a permaculture slash polyculture model um i don't know if we what we do you could do and sell in a store across the world you know but Mm -hmm. um i think everybody should do what we do on a small level yeah um you know themselves because you uh a you, you gain so much from a mental perspective, but in a spiritual, if you, I would dare say, but um, from efficacy uh, alone. Yeah,
0: that's great, and yeah, it's it's inspiring to hear your stories about working in the industry, growing your own stuff, practice with the herbs. Um, and I know I gotta let you go here soon because you gotta do a training with the staff. <laughs> um, but kind of in closing, with all this experience and practice that you've had, you know, are there maybe? A couple recommendations for those that maybe are saying I want to start investing in my health that you would kind of direct them towards.
1: Yeah. I mean it all depends on where you are. But I mean I'll tell you one thing to start with. Once when I was working at a store, um in between I'd quit eclectic. I was going through a divorce and I'd been treating myself rather poorly, mm-hmm. drinking a lot, I think start smoking again at the time. Um and I was about to I was gearing up to do a fast. You know, I'm gonna Got to cleanse and i'm talking about it out loud and this lady walked i was managing a nature's store in uh, beaverton oregon and this lady walked up to me and she had really bright eyes she was obviously older but she had great skin mm-hmm. uh, i i'm a real observational because that's what we train in, in oriental medicine and herbal diagnostics you know we look at the person yeah and she uh this was like you know maybe you just don't need to do as much
2: mm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: meaning maybe you could cut out some things and see what that does first yeah so that's always my first line of thought for people um then mild purg- purgatives i like to say hey aloe vera juice is a neat commodity and if you don't take overdo it a couple ounces a day mm-hmm. maybe a week maybe do a juice fast, and then come at it and start to do some you know reset mm-hmm. and then come in and try to maybe say hey get a food vitamin I used to not love Maltese, but you've got a really good one in the True Grace Malty. You know, to be shameless here and 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 pitch that. But um, a fish oil. But man, I gotta tell you, if you're if you're aging, if there's one thing that our body starts that requires that we stop making and producing because it's finite in supply, you have to get it from an external source. It's enzymes. You know, I'd love to tell you all the things I sell. But if it's, you know, somebody I love, mm-hmm. and I love almost everyone, enzymes are the one thing they are going to break down everything else mm-hmm. that you consume to make it beneficial. So, yeah, I would jump on a good mushroom blend that's hot water extracted from fruit bodies.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I would take a fish oil. Mm-hmm. I would take a good food multiple. Yeah. And I would be sure to get an enzyme.
0: Yeah. That's good. Um. And, yeah, that's that's an easy way to do. You can just come into the health food store and, you know, if there's someone like Jason here, they can definitely direct you towards some good companies and get on that. Because, yeah, I think investing in your health is one of the best things you can invest in. Absolutely. So any cool projects that are on the horizon or anything that you're going to go do now? I know you're doing a training and a class here. Uh, Yeah,
1: my wife uh, and I just – well, actually, she did all the the planting of uh, um, heritage apple uh, trees. Uh, She's going to – I can't remember the French name uh, for pruning, but my wife is the real brain of the bunch. i I just uh, do what she tells me. Um, so we're we only have two thirds an acre where you we have right now. We're yet to buy new land that we'll do in situ type, you know, wild simulated. That's how we like to grow. We believe that that healthy competition is great. Yeah. but in the meantime, we're doing kind of a polyculture. Uh, permaculture approach over two-thirds of an acre and we're producing in some categories more food and more medicine than we can use and we've only been there coming on seven months so you can do a lot with a little
0: yeah that's amazing yeah i have to come out sometime and see that yeah yeah well jason you know thanks so much for being here today and helping share the message about all the cool work that you're doing at true grace appreciate it yeah thank you thank you peace all right I hope everyone enjoyed and thanks to Jason for coming all the way out from Yellow Springs, Ohio to record an episode with me and also do some trainings and a public lecture. And so we appreciate your time, Jason. And if you guys are interested in more about what he's doing and what True Grace is doing, um, we'll link to their website in the show notes and way to follow that company because they are spreading a really cool message. If you guys have questions about this episode or other episodes, email us at podcast at com. And just a final reminder, please stop by the store. It's such a fun um, area to get involved in. It's off of Georgetown Road on the west side of town. And they got everything you would need, deli, herbs, supplements, food. So stop on by and we'd love to see you. Until next time, peace.